and here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying co-worker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort. Slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Hi, I'm Jim Street, owner of Streets Maintenance. As a licensed, insured, and bonded master plumber, I specialize in all plumbing repairs, including but not limited to water heater and sump pumps to toilet and faucet repairs and replacements. For more information about my business, I'm online at streetsmaintenance.com and Facebook, or give me a call at 400-4483. Hello there, and welcome to the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. It is Wednesday, February the 28th, about 9.15 a.m. Central Time. I am Rob Howe. We are doing this a day late, and uh, that is because yesterday was insane. Because I had, uh, I shot uh, photos of state, girls' state basketball in Des Moines, uh, Solon's first game, or Solon was the first game at 10, then Clear Creek Amanda girls, Came home, finished up dinner, making dinner, uh, took a shower, ate, went to Cedar Rapids, shot uh, the West High boys against Bettendorf up at, uh, I don't know what it's called now, the Five Seasons Center, whatever it is now, the Alliant uh, Powerhouse. But uh, I'm dragging a little bit here, so I don't know how much energy I have for you guys, but hopefully enough to get uh, to your questions. And I appreciate everybody for sending those in. Uh, start off as I usually do, just kind of recapping what's been going on last night, uh, Tuesday night, February the 27th. Nice win for the Iowa men. Uh, I think it was 91 80, something like that. It was the night, it was a 90 to 80. It was about a nine or 10 point spread. I don't have the box score in front of me. Uh, the highlights of that game, Peyton Sanford with the first ever. And this was hard to believe, and we have a question on this too later that I'll get to, but uh, first ever triple-double in the Iowa men's basketball program. I would have never thought they hadn't had one of those before, especially when we see Caitlin do it semi-regularly, right? Um, You would figure somebody would, um, even not to take anything away from, you know, what Peyton did last night, but just luck into a triple-double because they're not that rare. Um, but, uh, cool to see him do it. Uh, couldn't be happier for Peyton, uh, super nice guy and, uh, works really hard. And I think it, um, I think it highlights when he came in here, you know, he had a, I don't know if it's a, uh, you know, a tag or just kind of a reputation of being a shooter. And, and obviously that's his best skill. He's a really good shooter. Um, but he's also a really good basketball player. He's gotten better defensively. He's gotten better passing. He's a good rebounder. As we see, you get a triple-double, you have to be a pretty well-rounded basketball player. And I think it was important. I talked to Peyton, I think it was after his freshman year, um, and he had mentioned to me, he's like, you know, I know I got a rep as just being a shooter, but I really want to show people that I have a complete game. And he does. He's he's started to pop up now in some uh, NBA draft talk uh, as a potential NBA player. Um, I still think he has 
a bit to go before he gets there. And I still think he's fringy and he, he has to get in the right spot to be able to make that work. But for him to even be at this point, when he was like the other guy from Waukee after Tucker DeVries, you know, Peyton was still, a, you know, a really good high school player and they won a, you know, a state championship with Omaha, Omaha Blue and Tucker DeVries and Peyton Sanford and Price Sanford was younger on that team. Um, but just cool to see Peyton kind of develop his game and become a team leader. You can really see him leading out there and just he he's so in tune with what's going on and he doesn't shy away from, you know, we have tough games coming up and this is going to be a tough road to be able to make it to the NCAA tournament, but we're going to do it and then go out there and follow through and perform to a level that can hopefully get you to that NCAA tournament. And Iowa is firmly on the bubble. Um, I haven't looked at what the RPI, or I keep saying RPI. It's the net rankings. I got to figure that out. Um, let's see here. I'll Google it up and see if I can't uh, can't guess what Iowa's ranking is this morning. I doubt a quad three win at home against Penn State is going to do a lot for the RPI, but it, or, I did it again. The net. Uh, so Iowa went from 60 to 59 in the official NCAA net ranking. So firmly on the bubble, 17 and 12 overall, um, 12 and three at home, two and eight in quad one. Five, so they've got two quad one wins, five quad two wins. So that's decent on your resume at this point. And if you look at it, I think it's Saturday is the game at Northwestern. And then the, they get a week off and then they host Illinois in the regular season finale, senior day. And that will be, I think it's, it's next weekend, not this coming weekend, but the weekend weekend after that at Carver Hawkeye arena, but those will both be quad one opportunities. If Iowa can get both of those, then you're on the right side of the bubble. No question about it going into the big 10 tournament. If you get one of those, you're still, you know, finishing 10 and 10, 500 in a good league, Power five league, whatever it is, power six, however you want to frame it in college basketball. And then you've got an opportunity to uh, uh, maybe even increase your seed when you get to the Big Ten tournament. Uh, ten and ten, that that's if you win these next two. Ten and ten, you're going to have to do some work in the Big Ten tournament, I think, to just get up there. And it doesn't happen in a vacuum. Obviously, what other teams do around you is going to be important. Teams you've beaten already or lost to have to continue to play well to kind of help your net ranking. The net ranking is very flawed in my opinion, uh, but it's what we have to go on right now. So I'm not going to get into a debate on whether or not that's the right metrics to use, but uh, it's kind of, it is what it is for lack of a better term um, or cliche for that. But Iowa, I think, and I've heard other people say this, the Iowa men's basketball team has people engaged you know, going into March. And that's that's what you want. You know, this was considered most likely a rebuilding year. Um, and to have a chance to go back to a, would it be a fifth straight NCAA tournament, which would be one of the best runs in program history, um, that's saying something. They've got work to do. They're not there yet. But to even 
be in this position to be on the bubble after starting 0-3 in the Big Ten and constantly this season trying to fight to get to 500 and above, I think it's a pretty impressive season. I've had a good time watching this team. It's been a fun team to watch. Uh, a lot of good personalities, a lot of uh, entertaining individual uh, players and, and performances from, you know, Tony Perkins to Owen Freeman, going to be the Big Ten freshman of the year. You know, Patrick McCaffrey hit his thousandth point last night. Super proud of him with everything he's been through from the cancer to, you know, the anxiety and all that stuff to be able to overcome that and and score a thousand points. I think less than 100 guys in the history of Iowa program have done that. So just really great accomplishments across the board. We talked about Peyton, uh, Ben Cricky coming from Valpo and filling a role. Josh Dix has been a great story. I mentioned Tony Perkins uh, should be on one of the all Big Ten teams. Um, just Just a fun team to watch. Um, different vibe, right? Than the women's team, the women's team, the ex, the bar was really high. You make the national championship game. You got the player of the year coming back. Your expectations are high. So when you lose a game at Indiana, like they did last week, people start to lose their shit, right? They're like, Oh no, what's wrong with Iowa? They figured out how to stop Caitlin. And they, 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 they figured out the, the blueprint or the cheat code on how to beat Iowa. Um, and then Iowa comes back and handily beats Illinois and Caitlin gets a triple double on Sunday afternoon uh, on FS1. So Iowa back on track there. I don't know what the scenarios are for the Iowa women uh, winning the regular season title. I know they're behind Ohio State by a game, I believe it is. Um, Iowa will be at Minnesota tonight. Um, That is up in Minneapolis tonight. And then Iowa comes back. Um to play host to Ohio State, which should be ranked number two in the country at that point, or I think it is number two in the country. Uh, That's this Sunday, and that's, you know, college game day is going to be in town. It's going to be on Fox, uh, super cool way. And it's senior day. You know, you talk about Kate Martin and Gabby Marshall, this is it for them. They, they, they've they now exhausted everything. They've exhausted the COVID year, all that. This will be their final senior day. And I would encourage people to soak it up as, as Caitlin's senior day as well. Um, obviously, she, can, she has that COVID year, and she could come back next year, and she really hasn't tipped her hand on uh, – you know what what she plans on doing i i my my vibe all along has been that she goes that she needs the challenge that she's ready for the league she's ready to get out of the fishbowl that is iowa city um so just kind of a more of a gut feeling there than anything else um and don't buy into the she'll make more money if she stays at iowa Caitlin Clark is a brand unto herself she's going to make money wherever she plays the game and her opportunity now as a 22-year-old to go into the WNBA and lift the the uh, profile of that league and lift her own profile together, I, I think is a great opportunity for her right now. I think she's done what she could do at the college level. She's played four years, all of these records. You know, she comes back next year, she she increases those records, but then people start to say, yeah, but she played this many games. She played five seasons compared to other players. Just kind of makes it wonky, too. Not that that will go into her decision, um, 
but I think it's just, it, it seems like a good time for this. Her, her, she's, she's going to be that much older than everybody else on the roster next year. She's going to lose her, you know, her closest. She lost Monica last year, this year, Kate and Gabby will go. These are all, you know, teammates that she's, she grew up with and, and is close with. And uh, I, I think it's probably time. By the way, that Minnesota game tonight is uh, 8 p.m. and it's on Peacock. So you can scream from the mountaintops again about it being on a streaming only service. But uh, if you want to watch the game, you have to pay the Piper so or pay the Peacock, so to speak. Uh, but that's a late tip. That's an eight o'clock game on Peacock. Peacock tonight uh, up at Minneapolis. Again, this if you're listening to this uh, later in the week, uh, this is on Friday or Wednesday, February the 28th, excuse me, um, for that game tonight. So we're winding down here for all of the seasons, and that includes wrestling. And I thought it, I thought last Sunday at Oklahoma State was probably Iowa's best performance of the season. Uh, win that duel 22 to 9. Uh, ben Keeter gets in there, wins over the number 11 heavyweight in the country and is named the Big Ten Wrestler of the Week. So good things happening there. Get a little momentum going into the Big Tens. The Big Tens will start Saturday, March 9th, and they are in College Park, Maryland this year. So Saturday, March the 9th, Sunday, March 10th, uh, in, in uh, College Park, University of Maryland, uh, will be the Big Tens. And then, of course, the NCAA is not that far off. Thursday, March the 21st, starts the National Championship. So... Uh, a lot of good stuff going on here. Heck, we're Friday, a couple days, it'll be March, and uh, that's the month that Iowa spring football kicks off. So got a less than a month before spring football kicks off. They usually get underway late March and run it till mid to late April. So that's coming up as well. You know, a lot of interest there with uh, Tim Lester, the new offensive coordinator, and uh all that good stuff. So a lot of good stuff going on in Hawkeye athletics. Uh, baseball team has kind of stumbled out to a slow start under high expectations, but I'm not overly concerned with that. They've played very tough competition so far, uh, and I think that will benefit them down the road. But uh, with that, let's get into some of your questions here. We don't have a ton today, kind of probably because part of it is just a wonky week with me start doing this a day late and uh, sent out you know, the uh, tweet soliciting questions kind of late this week. It's just kind of been, it's been a busy stretch for me. And uh, uh, so, so sometimes I, I, I lose track of things that are on my plate to do. And this was one of them this week. So um, this one is from 44 M less at 44 M less on Twitter X. And this is from February 20, the third, um, again, the good a time for the PSA, uh, hashtag HF mail. It's hashtag HF mail anytime during the week in between the two time, uh, the time that I record the, the podcast, uh, usually Tuesday to Tuesday. This week it'll be Wednesday to Tuesday, hopefully. Um, so send those in question, comments anytime on the Twitter X and I will go back and pick up where I left off the previous week and we'll roll from there. Uh, and that's what Les has done here. I know it was an off-shooting night, and Indiana played lights out, but do you think teams have figured out how to beat CC and her crew? Um, and I know this uh, was before the Illinois game. I think you sent this out, and uh, we saw in the Illinois game that Iowa figured out how to bounce back from the Indiana game. I just think that that was – 
you know, a sold out arena, a really good team that you kicked their butt the first time around. They've got, you know, Mackenzie Holmes is after Caitlin is probably the second best player in the league. Um, you know, there are others too that you can make an argument for, but just a really dominant post player. And that's going to be a tough matchup for Iowa. That is the tough matchup. When they, when those brackets come out for the NCAA tournament, go and look at the teams in Iowa's bracket and look at the post players they have. That's going to give you an idea of how difficult that matchup will be. Now, Iowa can exploit that by playing a smaller lineup and forcing a team that has more size, more height, more length into doing things that make them uncomfortable. But um, you're also having to deal with, you know, and again, there's not a lot of Mackenzie Holmes running around, you know, every program in the country, but there are a lot of really good post players. And that is where Iowa is going to struggle. Hannah Stulkey is an undersized five, and she's not really a five. She's a four having to play the five because Iowa hasn't gotten what it wanted to out of the center position and they've gone small. Um, and that compromises your rebounding sometimes and your post defense. It can get Hannah into foul trouble. Um, so those are the – no team in the country is infallible, and that includes South Carolina. They have weaknesses. They can have an off night. They can be exposed. Um, and Iowa certainly has those, and we know what it is. We've seen this team enough this year to know that it misses Monica Cisano a great deal. Um, so it, it's not a mystery. So Iowa's going to have to – you would hope at this point in the season, less that they've figured out a way to compensate for that, but on a given night, you just don't know. If you get somebody that's hot, we saw that in the loss to Kansas State. We saw it in the loss to Ohio State. Um the Nebraska game, um, just not finishing. That's the other thing, being able to close out a game. I think they figured out how to do that, but you need to do that when it comes to do or die, when it comes to win or go home, you can't have a slip-up, and that's kind of what you have to hope for. But I didn't take a great deal out of that Indiana game less, other than Indiana was ready to go, played a really good game, and Iowa did not. Um, so. But a fair question, because I know that's kind of been some discussion. Um, uh, Trip Manfro, this is also from February the 23rd at PFAC 51 on the Twitter X. Does UCLA still have to play Cal a sl- pay Cal a slush fund fee every year as a financial penalty for joining the Big Ten Conference since Cal is a part of the ACC? I'm going to guess no. I don't know if that's been decided yet, Trip, but I can't imagine that Cal is going to benefit from both of those. I think this comes down to Oregon State and Washington State. They're going to get the money that, you know, all those teams that went to all those programs that went to the other Power Five conferences, which is everybody but Oregon State and Washington State. Coffee sip. Um, the the, the they won't have to pay each other. They're going to get royalties from whatever conference now i i know there is some uh it's not a probationary period but almost like uh i'm not sure even how to define it or or frame it but uh there's there's a period of time where they're not fully vested 
like teams that come into the Big Ten or the Big Twelve or the ACC, they have a they get a percentage of the pot, but then they have to kind of wait as time goes on before they get the full share of whatever the conference makes and gives out to its member institutions. So that could play into this a little bit if Cal's like, listen, we're only getting this much from the ACC, but I can't imagine it would hold up in court that UCLA is going to have to pay Cal um, when it's also not getting a full Big Ten share, if that makes sense. So um, I, I don't know. Hopefully they can work all this stuff out without litigation, but you never know in this day and age. They could go litigation because um, they love to do that stuff. <laughs> um this is also from Trip. This was on February the 24th. What kind of plans, if any, would there be would be needed to host a home playoff night game in December 2024 and beyond? Um, college football playoff dates, Friday 1220, night game, and Saturday 1221, one noon, 1-3, one, one night. Um, I think the Friday night would be the most difficult trip because of the hospital, UIHC, and the parking situation. That's why we haven't seen Iowa's done everything it can with the Big Ten to say, listen, we don't mind playing night games, but Thursday and Friday night games at home. And if you've noticed, Iowa's weekday night games have come on the road, um, and that's because the the parking situation and that's not going to change right so they are building another ramp by where the bus terminal is behind the north end zone so i think that will help and maybe that's in response to them eventually having to host a night game not only for the playoff but just the regular season um but i don't know what they would have to do they would have to figure out a way to work with the hospital uh and see if they could free up parking there and then have parking away from Kinnick and have, you know, you've got Hancher and you've got Finkbein and those, you know, there are shuttles and things that get people to, to the stadium from there. <clears throat> You'd have to find some auxiliary parking for a night game. I think uh, whether it be a playoff or regular season, you're going to have to adjust to that just because of the logistics of where Kinnick stadium is and the lack of parking. Um, they'd have to figure out a way, um, I don't know, maybe in Coralville somewhere or or out, <clears throat> um, you know, towards the interstate or something and, and bring people in. But I, they could do it. It would take some um, some planning, but I'm sure they've probably already thought about that. And hopefully it, they have that problem. Hopefully they have to figure out a way to host a – a night game at Kinnick Stadium in December. Boy, that would be probably be pretty cold, but uh, it would be super exciting. A playoff game at Kinnick Stadium in December would, uh, I don't know if it would be the biggest game in, in the stadium's history. I know my my podcast partner on the Hotspot podcast, Scott Dockerman, thinks it will be the biggest game ever in Kinnick Stadium, but I'm sure people would debate that, and it would be a fun debate to have. Um. You know what? It's probably a good time to do a little break here and hear from sponsors. If I could pull up the reads. Uh, 
Support for the podcast comes from Systems Unlimited, celebrating 50 years of providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout East Central Iowa. A list of their services and upcoming events can be found at sui.org. That is sui.org. Thank you to Systems Unlimited for the great work been doing in the community for over half a century, and we certainly appreciate their support of our podcast. We're going to hear from a few more sponsors now, and I will be back on the other side with more of your questions. Hang in there. Hi, this is A.J. Perez, Managing Partner at Deary Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Waukee and Iowa City. I'm so proud of our team at both locations. We are committed to one thing, giving our customers the absolute best when it comes to service and a car buying experience, the kind of experience that brings you back. What makes us different? We believe at Deary, we don't just sell cars, we help people buy them. Do you need a great electrical contractor or fire and water restoration specialist? Well, contact Lance Bolin at LB Electric and LJ Construction in North Liberty. Lance has served the corridor for many years and is ready to help you. Call Lance Bolin at 319-640-1116. That's 319-640-1116. Or visit LJ underscore construction on Instagram for licensed and insured electrical work, fire and water restoration, and remodeling. And we're back here on the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. Again, February the 28th, 2024. Uh, it's about 9.38 a.m. Central Time. Appreciate our sponsors. Thank you guys for sending in questions, and we'll get back to them right now. Um, 44MLS checking in again. This is from February the 26th, so Monday. I know you need talent to win but how much does coaching play a role at the high school level to achieve success? Also, what high school sport do you think is the most difficult to maintain success? And how about my Regals? Great photos of the game. Thanks. Yeah, that was uh, that was intense, that game at Liberty the other night. When was that? Saturday night against Pella Christian. And uh, Pella Christian, heavy favorite, number five team in Class 2A hit Regina with some haymakers early. And I'm like, all right, it's getting to six to eight points. I was concerned. Um, not that I have a, a huge rooting interest, but, you know, I, I root for the local teams and like to see them do well and, and uh, happy for the kids. But Regina, man, that team, I, you know, I've, I saw them, I think, four times this year from the like the first week of the season on. Periodically, it was nice to watch that team develop as the season went on. And, uh, yeah, just great responses whenever Pella Christian would make a run, Regina would make a play just to stay in the game and then made a late, you know, a run late in that second quarter, got the lead and just played toe to toe. It was toughness. That's kind of what won out and, uh, clutch, clutch play. Uh, good to see a lot of those kids, uh, we're on the team last year when they won whatever it was, seven, eight, nine games, and now they're going to the state tournament. Great story. Paul Runquist has done an incredible job, and uh, I think that's probably what led into this question. He was an assistant at West High uh, the last several years, took over the Regina program this year, and uh, has done a phenomenal job. And I think he's an example of how much impact a coach can have at that level. Um, and I think it's a lot because um, – not everybody can do what Paul's done this year, obviously, and it was a great hire by Regina. Um, but just his system and watching Regina, 
be so disciplined with what he looks for and his ability to teach them what he wants and for them to carry it out, to get through to, you know, 16, 17, 18 year old kids to teach them that quickly is pretty amazing. So I think coaches can have a a huge impact on the high school level. I think probably more than college or pro Um, when the athletes are, are more seasoned and you have a higher level of athlete in high school, you may have one or two guys that could go to college if you're lucky and play the game that they're playing. So it takes a little bit more to kind of weave in and get them to play as a team and work, you know, work together. And uh, I think coaching is a huge part of that. Just getting through to them and then having them execute your plan is really, really special. And it's not easy to do, um, but you see, you know, programs and schools and sports around the country that are able to maintain a high level of success. And it's often with the same coaches that are able to take, you know, graduate kids and reload and keep it going. And uh, to your question, uh, what sport is the most difficult to maintain? It's probably um, football, just because there are so many kids involved and, uh, you know, injuries and things like that are more prominent. So I think it's harder to maintain in those sports and uh, we've seen it. I mean, if you go through the list, I think it's easier to probably do it at smaller class schools, less enrollment schools, because there's less variance, but it gets harder at the the higher levels. And, and now, and I know it's a it's kind of a subject that people don't want to talk about, but there's much more recruiting now in high school athletics than there ever been um, in the state, public school-wise and parochial school-wise. So, um, that factors in too, especially at the bigger levels. So that can make it difficult to uh, maintain success. So I would say football for those reasons, just because of the volume of people, injury, you know, a sport that lends itself to more injuries, things like that. So good questions though, Les, and happy for your Regals. I wish them the best of luck down in uh, Des Moines next week. And I think I'll probably be down there shooting photos for that one. So look forward to that. I think they play Monday night at 530. I could have that wrong, but think that's the case. Um, Clint Harms. This is from February the 26th, uh, which was Monday. The one thing we can all seem to agree on is that the officials suck. LOL. I don't agree that the officials suck. I think there's some bad officials and I think they're poorly officiated games, but I wouldn't go, go that far. Clint, I know you're somewhat tongue in cheek there. In all seriousness, an official can have a great game, but one bad call can go viral make him look like a fool is social media another dagger making officiating shortages here to stay i think that's part of it the social media call out of officials um but i think more impactful with the downturn in in the number of officials and people wanting to do the job is just the abuse that they they face in doing their job. I mean, I think it was last week or the week before. And, uh, you know, it's, it's where my kids go to school, Iowa city high. There was a parent of, a, a you know, of in the boys basketball program um, who threw water at an official in a game down in a tumble. And that to me is just 
There is no reason to do something like that. I get being frustrated. I get the investment you have. But at the high school level, to do something like that to an official to me is it's it's just irresponsible. The example that it sets for the for the guys, the kids that are playing, it's just and that's just one example of recently that's in my mind. But we see it far too often instances like that where, you know, parents have to be removed from the gym for the verbal abuse of officials. I mean, think about the mentality of that, that you're so pissed off at an official, you think that they're cheating. They make mistakes like you probably do at work or, you know, as a parent or whatever. We all make mistakes. Um, Yeah, the officials can impact the game by making a bad call, but is an intent? Are they trying to screw your team over? I, I maybe there are officials out there. I mean, we have you, you have that stuff that goes on in life, and people hold grudges and things like that. But I think for the most part, you know, the the women and men that get into officiating do it because they love the sport and they want a fair outcome. They're not trying to sway. And I see this at, you know, my daughters play club volleyball and when we, we go to watch them play some of the behavior from the parents to officials that are making peanuts out there standing up on a um you know a, a raised whatever it is stairs podium whatever you want to call it to to officiate i i see some of these people up there for you know six seven eight hours at a time officiating and they're not there to screw your 13 you team over with a bad call. But if parents and coaches and the people that are there watching and observing continue to abuse officials, they're going to get a chance to officiate themselves because nobody else is going to want to officiate for them. So there's a call for officiating all over the place. So if you're a parent that's got a gripe with the officiating, Go to class, go to the officiating classes, become a ref yourself, and then see how it's like on the other side. So that's my soapbox on the official stuff. It drives me freaking crazy that I needed the coffee. So, um, Alan H at McMiney, 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 M A C M I N E Y on Twitter. Could we increase usage of official reviews in basketball, similar to football with frequent stoppage of play and review of last calls from the booth? If so, would this be welcome thing in your opinion or not so much? I think it's a, it's a fine line, Alan, that you don't want to um, affect the pace of play to, to interfere with the flow of the game. And when you get too many, when you're when they're reviewing too many plays, because think about how many plays in a game are just really close, and you're like, eh, that may maybe that was a foul, or maybe that ball was out of bounds, or you know, maybe that it's easier to tell with a shot clock, things like that. I think maybe if you, um, um decrease the things that could be reviewed, the plays, the types of plays that could be reviewed, that would be a way to do it. But 
basketball is much, there's not as much stoppages in basketball that, you know, football, you know, it's a play whistle. Everybody goes back to their side of the field. There's time for somebody to look at a play. It's a lot harder to do that in basketball. Um, but more replay. I'm not sure if I'm for that, if people would be for that, you know, fans. Um, but I think they're, the technology is such now, and you see it in professional tennis. Like if I don't watch a lot of professional tennis, I tend to watch the major tournaments. Um, and they have the eye that the the line, uh, whatever you call it, the line, electronic line judge, and there's just no debate. I mean, you can see with this technology whether or not the ball is in or out of bounds. I think you could do something like that for. Uh, other sports, um, basketball, football, where you have inbounds, out of bounds, out of the back of the end zone. Is it a score? Is this, are his feet down? Uh, things like that. I think you could do that with that type of te- technology. If, if you can do it in tennis and it's a line judge, you should be able to do that in other sports too. Volleyball, um, you know, again, I, I watch a lot of volleyball because our daughters, daughters play, um, but there are so many times that where you're looking, you're like, was that in? And then the parents will say, it looked into me. Nah, it looked out to me, you know, and there's indecision there. You're not going to do it at a club volleyball level, but maybe at like, you know, the Big Ten level, you could come up with a way to judge the lines electronically, and that can help, you know, the accuracy of calls, so to speak. So something to consider there, no doubt. But a couple officiating questions back to back there. Interesting. Um, I don't know if you guys knew this, but switching is easy. We do it all the time. We switch on the lights. We switch TV channels. Some of us switch partners while square dancing. Well, that's a stretch. But what's not a stretch is how you can switch and save with State Farm. In fact, State Farm agent Chad Birch right here in Iowa can switch you over so you can start saving today. Chad and his team are ready to welcome you to the State Farm neighborhood With Chad Birch, it's easy to switch and save. Just give him a call. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. New sponsor. We love it. All right, here. Got a couple more, and then we'll bow out. Uh, Hey, uh, this is from Wes one more time. Hey, I wanted your thoughts on the judge's decision on the Tennessee and Virginia lawsuit. Will Will that have any impact on Iowa athletics? If so, how? Yeah, I think this is one that's going to have an impact on everybody's athletics at the college level. Uh, And for those that don't know, basically a judge in Tennessee ruled that the NCAA can't enforce NIL laws. The, the, the NCAA tried to um, penalize Tennessee for NI, what it deemed NIL infractions. And basically the judge said, nah, that ain't going to work. And not only that, you have no jurisdiction over the NIL and transfer portal. Um, it's just it, the, it, watching the NCAA get its ass kicked in court on a regular basis is just mind boggling to continue to try to get politicians involved and try to go to court and lose and lose and lose. And the politicians have no, you know, they'll, they'll get up there on their soapbox and, and try to drum up support and it just goes away. I think it's pretty clear now that the NCAA needs to work with student athletes and these NIL um, organizations to figure out a way 
sit down at the table and figure out a way to share the revenue better instead of trying to fight this in court and losing money through litigation. I just, I don't understand why they do it um, other than they're trying to prolong the inevitable or delay the inevitable, I should say, is when they get to the point where it's, if it gets to the point where there's no regulation of NIL, there's very little as it is now. I'm not sure why you would want to continue on with this, but this could be the death of the the NCAA. I mean, it could be coming to the point where at least as it pertains to uh, major college football and probably basketball too, um, they, they, they lose these cases left and right. And it's just, it makes, it makes no sense other than they're in denial and they're trying to delay the inevitable. So uh, that was a huge decision, uh, rule ruling, Less and uh, interested to interested to see where things go from here on that. Uh, Brett Kim at Brett Kim twenty four. Which former Iowa basketball player are you most surprised never had a triple double? Uh, this is again going back to the Peyton Sanford recording the first ever triple double in Iowa men's basketball history last night against Penn State on uh, February the twenty seventh. The answer for me is always Ronnie Lester, because. <laughs> he was so good and you would figure that at some point he would have been able to pull something, a triple double together. Um, so he would be one. It's uh, to me, it's usually a point guard. Um, you know, a lot of double doubles for big men, but getting to 10 assists or 10 blocks is pretty hard. Um, so I would say, you know, maybe a Jeff Horner was a decent rebounder. Um, Andre Woolridge, those type of guys come to mind. B.J. Armstrong, uh, those, those those are the kind of guys when I think, oh, wow, they didn't have a triple, though. Those are the kind of guys that pop into my mind. But uh, great to see Peyton Sanford do that. And now that everybody knows that he's the first one to do it, other other guys will be gunning for joining him in that club, which would be kind of cool. Um, let's see here. Got any any more? I think I had one. Let me see here. Look underneath. All right. The only one I haven't gotten to is Emily. And Emily, as you know, Emily Hawk 99 on Twitter X, uh, her questions do not show up for some reason. Um when I use when I click on the and look for the HF mail hashtag, it's bizarre. I don't know what it is, but it's consistent because it's every week. Uh so I try to look underneath my tweet that I send out. Uh, soliciting questions for this mailbag and look under the responses there. And usually uh, when it does, if somebody doesn't use the hashtag or in Emily's case does, and it doesn't show up, I can go grab it. But anyway, Emily asks, hi, Rob, Angel Reese has said she is unable to attend classes in person because of her popularity. Do you know if Caitlin attends class in person or if she takes classes online because of her superstar status? I did see this the other night, Emily, and uh, tried to do a little research here. I asked uh, Bailey Turner, who is the uh, sports information director at Iowa in charge of women's basketball. He told me he had no idea, um, and that's kind of where it went from there. He didn't offer to look into it, um, but that that ended there. Um, and then I asked somebody else who's close to her um, and haven't gotten a response back yet. If I do, I will let you know. Um, I don't know. It's a good question. 
Uh, I would think she would be able to go to class here um, at Iowa, uh, being an Iowa kid, um, and obviously probably gets worn out signing autographs and talking to to students if she would do that. But those are her peers, too. So I would think she would want that experience. But at this point, as smart as she is, she probably doesn't have a lot left before uh, she gets her diploma. So maybe the, the the course load is small enough where she can do it online and probably benefits her too, you know, with the travel uh, and other uh, responsibilities and things that she has on her plate uh, that taking mostly online classes would probably be uh, a huge benefit for her coffee sip. I think that's it. Let me look here one more time to make sure I didn't miss anybody. It doesn't appear that I have. Um, so that'll do it. And I appreciate everybody for listening to the mailbag podcast. Check my Twitter, Rob Howe HN. I will give as soon as I'm going to connect with Scott Doctorman today. He is down at the NFL Draft Combine in Indianapolis. So we won't be doing tomorrow's hot spot at 9 a.m. Uh, we'll probably do it in the afternoon or maybe Friday. Uh, but I'll let you know. I'll, I'll throw out a programming note um, on Twitter X. That's at Rob Howe HN. If you're listening to this, you probably know that. Uh, but I'll throw it out there anyway. But we'll give you a programming note on when he and I are going to go and look forward to getting some insight from Scott on his travels down at the Combine and the guys that he's talking to down there and get some feedback from him on all things Iowa athletics. But uh, we'll let you know. Uh, appreciate again everybody listening to the podcast. Especially appreciate our sponsors for helping us bring you these podcasts free of charge. No Patreon, any of that stuff. And uh, appreciate you guys for sending in questions and keeping this thing rolling. And uh, should be back next Tuesday, um, regular time. Uh, but I'll let you know if there's anything changing there in terms of uh, any conflicts in my work schedule. But I think it's pretty clear next Tuesday. So should be back for that. Again, hashtag HFmail. Fire away at me anytime between now uh, and that that podcast. And I'll go back, pick up where we left off today, and jump in then. Until then, have a great rest of your week. Peace.